And welcome, everybody, to another SU Oddities. Uh, you know, usually we don't do a true crime. You know, we kind of back away from it. You know, we don't want to really give the the uh, what do you the scumbags, I guess, a, a soapbox to stand on. Um, however, this one's interesting and not necessarily a serial killer, mind you. However, the lines uh, are kind of gray in this. <laughs> and so here we go. So when it comes to crimes and crematoriums, even disgusting and immoral body brokering at least makes sense when you look at it from the viewpoint of profitability. So they may put their loved ones' corpses in military experiments instead of a science facility or sell diseased body parts for medical training exercises, but at least there's something, there's a reasoning behind the crimes. Uh, However, in the case of Brent Marsh, who dumped bodies on the property of his crematorium for nearly 20 years, there is no purpose whatsoever in his actions. In this Georgia crematorium crime, not much makes sense and motives aren't clear. Uh, the Ray Brent Marsh crematorium scandal began when he took over his father's business and ended with bodies of people's loved ones strewn across the property, 16 acres. And holy shit, here is the story. So law enforcement combed the 16 acre property and uncovered 339 bodies in various states of decay. Of those bodies, only 226 could be identified. Some of the bodies had been there for 18 years and were mere skeletons. Corpses were piled up on top of each other in vaults located in the property's garage, and some were buried in mass graves of up to 40 bodies in 10-foot-deep pits. Several were thrown into a pond, and others rested among the shrubs. I shit you not. John Bankhead, a spokesperson for the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, said that the bodies in boxes rested atop piles of junk. He recounted seeing... A skull to your right, a leg bone to your left, a rib cage not too many feet away. The smell went unnoticed because the crematorium required several funeral homes to embalm the bodies before shipping them to actually be cremated. The Tri-State Crematorium served funeral homes uh, in Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. Marsh took over for his ill father in 1996. Authorities estimate that over 2,000 bodies were sent to the crematorium from that time until the property was investigated and closed officially in 2002. So after investigators discovered a large number of bodies on the property of the crematorium, authorities declared a state of emergency, as one does. A federal disaster team flew in and they brought with them anti-contamination suits, a portable morgue, and many agents to help with this portable morgue that exists. Jesus. One agent told the Telegraph, after retching under a nearby tree that the scene looked like a Stephen King novel, he said, quote, it stinks like hell down there. Decaying flesh, bits of bones, You can't walk for stepping on bodies. I can see their faces every night when I close my eyes. The undergrowth is so thick, we have to hack it back. What's underneath is like a battlefield, like the remains of several bloody massacres all years apart. Uh, Then on February 14th, 2002, agents received an anonymous tip that someone was walking their dog in the woods uh, located on the 16-acre property that belongs to the crematorium and that the canine unearthed A human bone. Go figure. Authorities checked the property a day after receiving the tip, and they discovered an initial 49 bodies. So that's what kicked it all off was uh, February 14th, uh, 2002. Fantastic Valentine's Day to be had for everyone, I'm sure. Um, In October of 2000, a propane delivery truck driver was on the property of the Tri-State Crematorium and reported to law enforcement that he saw bodies scattered around the area. Uh, The Walker County Sheriff's came to the conclusion that the issue was regulatory and not criminal. Jesus. So nothing was ever fucking done, God. In November of 2001, Atlanta's Environmental Protection Agency received an anonymous tip that there were body parts in the woods near the crematorium. The Walker County Sheriff's Office was called in to investigate, but they didn't find 
anything. Lisa Cash was informed by law enforcement agents that the urn she believed held the remains of her mother, Norma, was actually filled with wood shavings and bits of cement. Another man, Jack Worley, scattered what he believed to be the ashes of his brother on the grave of their mother. It was most likely pieces of polystyrene and other identified scraps. Wood ash, concrete dust, and bone dust were commonly used by Marsh as replacements for human remains. For those who received real remains, uh, it's impossible to determine if they belong to the correct deceased person. But uh, back to the, here's a morgue thing. So in order to identify bodies as they were found and deal with a massive number of corpses, a mobile morgue was shipped to Georgia from Maryland and placed on the crematorium property. It is not uncommon for mass graves, such as one at the crematorium, to require portable morgues on the scene. They allow experts to identify, fingerprint, photograph, and perform other forensic tasks on bodies quickly and efficiently. Uh, given that there were hundreds of discarded bodies, investigators needed ample resources for cleanup and identification. And I just want to say it's a pretty goddamn sad thing that there needs to be a, a portable morgue for this. I just Anyway. Um, it isn't the first time that Tri-Strait Crematorium has been in trouble, but it is the first time it's received national attention along with criminal charges. In 1994, the elder Marsh asked a politician friend to help him keep state inspectors out of the crematorium as they operated with a, within a loophole that stated they didn't require licensing because they dealt only with funeral homes and not the public. The lack of licensing allowed them to forego inspection, even to make claims that the body parts were found on the property. The Marsh family lived and worked in Walker County, Georgia, for several generations. However, it wasn't until the Tri-State Crematorium scandal that anyone doubted the integrity of the family that was such a trusted party of the community that Marsh's great-grandfather and eventually grandfather owned a lumber mill. Uh, in addition to the crematorium, Marsh's parents owned several pieces of land in town and rented out homes. Family members served on community boards and were well-respected under the revelation of the bodies left to rot. Uh, before its horrors were exposed, uh, business was absolutely booming at Tri-State Crematory. Uh, Brent's father, Ray Marsh, first opened the shop in 1982, and almost immediately some of the wealthiest funeral homes in the area began sending their bodies to him. When the bodies were first discovered, the New York Times claimed that every funeral director for 100 miles did business with the Tri-State Crematory. Uh, After all, it was said and done, Marsh was charged with 787 counts. Let me repeat that. 787 counts that included theft by deception, abusing a corpse, burial service-related fraud, and giving false statements. He was sent to 12 years in 2004 and was released from prison in June of 2016. Marsh's probation spans the next 75 years of his life. His probation terms require him to begin paying the fines he owes within the first year he's released from prison. He also had to write a letter of apology, of course, to the Georgia community and to the people he hurt. While Marsh's misdeeds would be considered abominable pretty much anywhere in the world, Noble Georgia was particularly sensitive to crimes involving the dead. A self-described God-fearing community, Noble is located firmly in the Bible Belt, and residents like to think of themselves as earnest people who believe in family values. These morals apply to both the living and the dead, and there's even a law in Noble which makes it illegal to pass a funeral cortege on a funeral, yeah, parade basically uh, on a two-lane road. Uh, this perhaps explains why many of Marsh's neighbors were no less horrified when they learned that he didn't actually murder any of his victims, providing improper burial for the dead was just as bad in their eyes. 
After learning, they were given urns full of wood shavings and concrete dust uh, instead of the ashes of their loved ones. Nearly 1,700 family members filed a class action lawsuit. Good. They spanned two states on the quest to sue Tri-State Crematorium and the funeral homes that shipped bodies to the facility. Those funeral homes then sued Tri-State and Marsh himself for settling out of court for a whopping $36 million. The settlement called for the bulldozing of the buildings on the 16-acre crematorium, and the Marsh family had to place the property in a trust. No one will be able to touch the now memorial to the people whose corpses were desecrated in such a heinous manner. In 2005, Marsh's defense attorneys made public the toxicology reports and physiologically testing results that were performed on their client. They claimed that Marsh and his father were suffering from mercury poisoning due to a faulty air system that didn't protect them from the fumes of mercury amalgam in the dental work of corpses being burned. Mercury poisoning can cause cognitive issues, weakness, insomnia, and emotional changes. Marsh tried to make the claim that his incinerator was broken, but cremation experts said that the maintenance programs are accessible. During his guilty plea, he told his victims, To those of you who may have come here today looking for answers, I cannot give you any. His family doesn't have answers either. James Marsh, Brent's uncle, said of the practice, I can't figure out why someone would do it, he said. There's no excuse for it. Other questions remain unanswered, such as why some bodies were contained in rusty coffins that were at some point below ground. Several of the body dumps also predated Brent Marsh's ownership of the crematorium, a fact the family can't seem to explain. So after serving 12 years for his crimes, Marsh is now allegedly reformed and is ready to move on with his life. Oh, goody. Good, good, good on him. Since he's required to serve parole for the remainder of his days, it is unlikely that he will ever forget what he did, but some of his parole requirements are meant to help him transition back into normality. In order to stay free, he's required to hold a job, and he's been expressly forbidden from profiting off of selling his story. Marsh's lawyer says that the man is praying people will forget about him, and he hopes people will leave him alone and give him a second chance. Marsh allegedly learned a few new skills while he was doing time and plans to use them to begin a new chapter in his life. Um, Boy, oh boy. Well, there you have it. Uh, Yeah, this Marsh guy. uh, There's some videos and pictures on here. I'm sure there's more to the story. Uh, You know, the mercury poisoning, um, blaming that on mental and possibly. I I, I don't know, but fucking horrific. Let's just uh, let's just chalk it up as that. So. Um, not a very uh, happy SU oddity. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Close the gates. <laughs>